you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, a live literary event series from LAist. We are back with guests, author Amanda Montel and actor Bella Lavelle. You can find us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum. Tickets at LAist.com events. I got a call from a friend of mine who said, hey, I need to talk to you. There's a secret recording of, of Nuri and Gil and Kevin. You can't figure out what's happening. Like, did someone in the room make this recording? And then our board member sends me the text. Did you see this? And I'm like, oh, this is what people are talking about. Mono monito, right? um, monkey little monkey. These are deeply racialized terms that are not at all innocuous. This is How to LA, the podcast that helps you navigate this city. It's almost been a year since one of the biggest political scandals in LA history. A secret recording of four powerful Latino leaders in L.A. leaked to the public last October. Then City Council President Nuri Martinez, Council Members Gil Cedillo and Kevin De Leon, and Labor Leader Ron Herrera were caught on tape making racist, demeaning comments about Black Angelinos, including a City Council member's child, Black political power, and about Indigenous people. It was in the context of a strategy session about advancing Latino power in the city. The tapes became national news, with many people, even President Joe Biden, calling for all the leaders to resign. Herrera and Martinez did. And now, for the first time since her resignation, we hear from Nuri Martinez in an exclusive interview with LA Studios. So what I hear you saying is that you feel like this is something that happened to you, not something you did. No, that's not what I'm saying. My colleagues on the Imperfect Paradise podcast team, including host Antonia Cerejido, who you just heard, challenges Martinez to account for the racist, hurtful things she said in that conversation. They spoke with former and current council members about the reaction to the tapes, including Mike Bonin, who, along with his young Black son, was singled out in the conversation, and to scholars and Indigenous rights activists about what the tapes revealed about long-simmering tensions within the city. Antonia is here with me now to talk about episode one. Hey, Antonia. Hi, Brian. So for people who are not familiar with the episode and maybe even the scandal, can you just walk us through it? So when the scandal happened, I will say there has been like a lot of really incredible journalism already dedicated to this scandal. This is not like a new thing that has not been covered. But at Imperfect Paradise, what we do is long form narrative storytelling. And I think that even though this was covered a lot in the headlines, there hadn't been sort of like an in-depth documentary take of what had happened. And so that's what we're really offering. And this first episode, you actually really don't hear from Nuri at all. You, We wanted to center the story in the first episode with what actually was said and talk to the people whom it impacted the most. So we speak to Mike Bonin and he talks about what it was like to hear those tapes and to hear his son described in that way. We talked to Marquise Harris-Dawson, who was one of the Black City Council members at the time. He's still a council member. And 
the other thing that we tell in the first episode that I think is really dramatic and maybe people don't remember is just the rage that Angelina felt and the scene that happened at the first city council meeting after the tapes were leaked. It's really powerful to hear people on the streets and also to hear council member Mike Bonin give a speech after he had heard his son talked about in that way. So so really, it's like the first episode is like a refresher of like what actually went down. This moment wasn't just about this moment. It was also about L.A., right? And kind of where it fits in the larger tensions between moderates and more progressive leaders here in L.A., between black and brown community leaders. And you hear it on the tapes. You know, I think we want to remind folks that this isn't just about political power. It's really about the story of Los Angeles. Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that made us want to revisit this story was the fact that even though... Nuri is no longer in office. The issues at the heart of this scandal are still very much the issues that are playing out in our politics today. And it was an opportunity to look at a case study that explains a lot of other things that are important to get to the root of, including, yes, like we're seeing some really big disagreements in the Democratic Party about issues like funding the police, how to deal with the homelessness crisis. And this is not just, I think, an L.A. story. I think this is a national story, like the Latino community and how it grapples with issues of anti-Black racism and colorism and what Latino power should even be. I mean, I've been covering Latino identity for the past decade, and I was just amazed at how this one scandal got to the heart of so many of these like really difficult conversations. And I think it's important that we continue to have those conversations. Um, And so that was really an impetus for us to tackle this story and to do it through Nuri, who is very much a product and a reflection of Los Angeles and whose political rise and fall story, I think, is very of this moment and of this place. We're going to get to Nuri and that topic in a little minute. Yeah. But I do want to talk to you about the people you interviewed who were most impacted by the leaked tape, including former city councilman Mike Bonin. What did you learn about how he reacted and how it impacted his family? Yeah, so... This is a narrative podcast, and so we're having people take us through their real-time experience of what happened. And Mike Bonin was very honest with us about that experience. I was livid that she talked about beating him down. I was beside myself when I heard, you know, the, the specific comments about Monkey and Louis Vuitton and all that shit. You know, I listened to the first episode when I was driving, actually, and it got me so emotional because mm-hmm. he's talking about his family. Um, he's talking about a child. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I was put in his shoes for a moment and I was upset. Yeah, no, it's it's really it's really powerful, I think, to hear how he processed that moment in real time. And I think that that was like such a critical part for us in this podcast was to also capture the emotional moment that this scandal was. You make it clear in the podcast that this secretly taped conversation between Nuri, Kevin De Leon, who is still part of the city council, mm-hmm. Gil Cedillo, and Ron Herrera didn't come out of nowhere. Like, what is all the political and racial context that's important here? It's been very interesting to play these episodes for people on our staff. And we have a diverse staff full mm-hmm. of people of different backgrounds. And I think for a lot of white people, it was sort of surprising that for a lot of indigenous and black folks within the Latino community, what they heard on the tapes wasn't particularly surprising. Mm. 
a lot of Indigenous and Black folk in our community have been saying that they they experience prejudice. Yeah. We talked to Odilia Romero, who is um, a co-founder of Cielo, which is an Indigenous rights nonprofit. We've always knew this is how they talk about us. This is how Mexico talks about us. This is how Latinos talk about us. We talked to Dania Hernandez, who is a scholar, a legal scholar, who wrote a book about um, anti-Blackness within the Latino Latine community. Uh, same with Dania Hernandez. She was like, you know, people were flooding my inbox. And they were like, look, this is an example of the very scholarship that you do. What the uh, audio tapes opened up now was just how systemic and much of a pattern across the communities that this actually is. That is the message that Latinos, uh, Latine, Latines can also harbor anti-Black bias and sentiment. And so for some people, I think it was a surprise, mm -hmm. whereas for others, it was like proof or like evidence of something they already knew. And these conversations have been present for a long time, thanks to folks like them who have been bringing it up. And I think that it is, um, it's also powerful to hear from them as, as they were able to sort of become more center stage after this in being heard on these issues. We'll be right back after the break. Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center presenting American Mariachi by Jose Cruz Gonzalez. It's the 1970s and women can't be mariachis. Or can they? American Mariachi is a feel-good comedy about familia, amor, and tradición that will send your heart soaring and put a bounce in your step with a wave of vibrant, infectious live music. On stage through June 9th, tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org. Imagine if you could charge your electric vehicle at the places you already love to eat, shop, and play. Whether you're at the movies, on your weekly grocery trip, or running errands at your local mall, Volta EV charging stations are built around your day-to-day -day and located in your community and nationwide. All you have to do is check in, plug in, and go about your day. It's EV charging made convenient. Download the Volta app to find your new favorite place to charge. Welcome back to How to LA. I'm Brian De Los Santos. So we know Nuri Martinez resigned, Gil Cedillo and Kevin DeLeon did not, though Cedillo had already lost his re-election bid. Mm -hmm. It's been a year since Nuri resigned. She's kept out of the public eye and has pretty much been silent. Um, but she sat down for this interview with you. Can you tell me about the process of getting her on the record? Yeah, so I want to make something clear, which is that we did not assume that we were going to get this interview. And actually, we had planned to center the story around Nuri even before knowing that we were going to get the interview. We had kind of assumed that we weren't going to get it. And we were doing what is commonly called in journalism, like the workaround. Like we were reaching out to previous classmates, colleagues on the council, critics, people who work in politics, other journalists who had covered her in the past. So we were trying to get other people you know, to sort of fill in the details of who she was. And it reminds me of a lot of other podcasts that I think do a really good job. There's the sellout about Jose Huizar. There's also um, recently Slow Burn came out with a really great series about Clarence Thomas. And so I think we were sort of, you know, approaching it from this place of like, can we get the story even if she doesn't speak to us? 
And then when we reached out to her and she called us back, we were really surprised. Um, And we made it very clear to her that it was not our job to redeem her, that it was not our job to, you know, be granted forgiveness from the public, that we wanted to talk to her for two very specific reasons. One was because this was a historical moment in Los Angeles politics, and there was a part of the story that people didn't know, which is how she experienced the scandal. Like, that's going to be news for for folks. We didn't know if she had reflected on what she said and she understood why people were so upset. And the second part is to talk about these really difficult issues that came through from what she said. And I think when she realized that we were talking to a lot of folks, we were taking it very seriously, she agreed to be interviewed. And she told you she wanted to talk to a Latina journalist, right? Yeah, she said that she wanted to speak to a Latina journalist, um, which I think I learned that a lot of people wanted to get this interview. And I, as a journalist, not even just like as a Latina, like I'm really happy that I'm the one who got to do it because this is a story that hit me. Um, You know, hearing you say that you were emotional, like my first reaction when I heard the tapes was like that embarrassment you get when like a family member says like a racist thing in front Mm -hmm. of somebody else. Like it was an embarrassing moment for the Latino community. Mm -hmm. And I think there are folks who are like, would be happy if we never heard from Nuri again. And I think that if that actually would help in terms of like eradicating anti-blackness and colorism from the community, I would share in that point of view. But I think that we as a community need to grapple with these things and we have a responsibility to hold each other accountable and that is what I hoped to do with the interview in the same way that I would hold family members accountable like I think when you're a Latino you reflect on the other people in your community and um, I think it was important to acknowledge that even though like Nuri said these horrible things what she said wasn't something that I had never heard before or was unfamiliar with um, and I didn't want that to be taken for granted you just said, like, you know that some people don't care about hearing from Nuri and her side, right? And there's still a push for Kevin DeLong to resign. I'm sure a lot of people are going to say, I don't want to hear her try to rehab her image. What's your response to that? That that is not what this is. You know, we're not trying to rehab her image at all. There is no point at all in this podcast where we don't think what she said was racist and prejudiced and that where that is not the basis from which all of the reporting is stemming from. Um, so, you know, I have no interest in rehabilitating her image either. I have an interest to put this story in context and to broaden out the impact and the takeaways that we can have from what this scandal represented, and also to treat Nuri as both a politician who should be held at a higher standard and also a member of our community. And I think that we need to be able to hold both of those things um, at once. So about the next episode, because I already heard a little tease for episode two, can you give us a preview of some of your takeaways? Well, I will say that episode two is the episode where we talk about the lead up to what was in the tapes, like the sort of the political context and Nuri's own personal rise. And I think because the tapes are so raw and you hear people talking about stuff that you wouldn't hear, it allowed not just Nuri, but also the people who were referred to in the tapes. I'm speaking of Councilmember Mike Bonin and Marquise Harris-Dawson to talk very candidly about a lot of things and a lot of issues, including homelessness, including the question around defunding the police in ways that are very honest. And 
I think it's just really a fascinating look into like how the sausage is made. So I think episode two is like my favorite because it feels like the one, it feels like you're getting like politicians being real. Hmm. And we don't always see that. No. Antonia, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Brian, for having me. That was Imperfect Paradise host Antonia Cerejido. Episode 1 of this latest season, Nuri and the Secret Tapes, is out now. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and look out for episodes 2 and 3 coming on Wednesdays. And we will have episode 1 on our own feed on Friday, so check it out then. We'll be back tomorrow, so don't miss a beat. FYI, if you didn't notice, we're now 5 days a week. So please show a little love and share the podcast however you can. Thank you. Monica Bushman produced this episode and Catherine Mailhouse provided editing assistance. Our other team members are Victoria Alejandro, Megan Botel, Evan Jacoby, and Erica Washington. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American... The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.